everyone. Welcome back to the Save, Spend, Invest podcast. I am here today with a really exciting episode uh, with someone that is really special um, and I've known her for quite a while. I've been following her for years and it's crazy because I never thought I'd actually get the chance to work with her, but I was fortunate enough to get the chance um, when she was building her brand, which we're also going to get into, but she is a blogger. Um, she started her own clothing line as well. And she's someone that I have looked up to for the longest time. She is a big believer in women. And one of the things I love about her is her passion for that. And so not just on Twitter or um, in theory, but really putting her money where her mouth is. and. Yeah, I'm really excited to have Fisaya on here. So Fisaya, thank you for being on the podcast with me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> so for people who don't know, um, let's do a bit of a background on who Fisaya Longa is, what you're about, um, and where you're at now. Okay, cool. Oh, you want me to go? Yes. Okay, cool. Um... My name is Sasara Longe. I am a fashion, travel, and lifestyle blogger. Um, and I've done that for seven years now. And I also run a clothing brand called Kai Collective. It's a clothing brand of affo- uh, um, affordable clothing with luxury aesthetics. And I launched that in August of 2016. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. I collaborate with brands and create marketing content for them Amazing. And you've been blogging for such a long time. You're one of the people I'd say were the OGs, still are. Um, And I think the question really is, which is why we're having this podcast, is that a lot of people think um, maybe they don't even understand how much goes into it. I've obviously worked with you a little bit behind the scenes, so I know how much goes into everything, um, or at least I've been able to see a fraction of that. But a lot of people want to find out, especially in 2019, is you know is it too late for me to get started with blogging can i still make money um and how do i do it so if we take you back to the beginning i have a you know i have a pretty good memory of this and i you know i have some images as well <laughs> um but how did you actually get started with blogging um okay so to answer your first question no it's absolutely not too late to get into the blogging industry it has but I think that it has evolved for the better, um, but we'll speak, we'll speak more on that in a minute. I got into blogging because I didn't get into the uni I wanted to go to, and I took a gap year. And I was going traveling, and I just wanted a place where I could document my cute outfits and my travels and share that with my family and friends. Um, so yeah, it really just started as a hobby, and I didn't realize immediately like how much of a job it could become um it was just something that i genuinely enjoyed so i didn't start it with any targets i didn't start with any business plan i was just doing something that i had a real passion for okay that's amazing um and obviously a couple years after it has actually turned into a career you've been able to make money off it but was there at what point um, did you sort of maybe start to see the opportunities um, that it could bring? Was it a gradual process or was it like, I don't know, a couple of friends or just seeing people um, maybe start to do other things? Maybe you think like, oh, you know, this could be me as well. Um, 
It definitely was a gradual process. I struggle to remember the exact moment that it switched because I get that question a lot. Um, and I don't really remember what the exact moment was, but I guess I probably got my first check from blogging maybe about a year after I started, but it was very little money at first. Um, but I didn't just rely on the blog. So when I realized I could have a creative career, I started styling and then I started doing photography. So I was really just hosting. At the time I worked at KPMG as an auditor, um, but I was just hosting to build my creative career and kind of trying to get stuck in whatever I could do. Yeah. And do you remember how many years after you got your first check from blogging? Sorry, how many years into blogging? Yeah. That probably about a year. I think within like six months, I had um, the affiliate company that I used to this day reach out to me. And so, yeah, I would say about a year after I started blogging, but it was very little money for, for a long time. Yeah, a long, long time. <laughs> I think that's one thing that um, a lot of people take for granted now. They just think, especially you know, with the rise of Instagram, they think a lot of things are supposed to happen fast. They know I've been blogging for a year, I've been blogging for a couple of months, and I've not seen anything, and they wonder if they're doing it wrong. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about the process a little bit, which a lot of people miss out. You know, everyone just sees the the end everyone just you know especially for maybe new followers who haven't been there from the beginning um I remember you know consciously looking at mirror me every other week from uni and you know wanting to see what was new and how I could style different things um but I'll talk about the beginning what were sort of the roadblocks that you had especially in like when you realize like oh this could become a real thing what were some of the maybe struggles that you had initially um and potentially we might not have the same thing now okay so it's tricky because because i wasn't really thinking oh this is going to be my career i didn't really have roadblocks so I had, a, I had a job, and so there was a lot of things that I couldn't do. There were opportunities I couldn't take because I had to be at work. I had to blog during the night, so in busy season, I would get home really late. And I had to get my blog post out, so I had to stay up late, putting on my blog post without really seeing any financial results from doing that. It's something that I just had to carry on doing. And at that point, I still wasn't like, Oh, let me do this because you know this is my job it was let me do this because it was just something that I did I was just blogging um I didn't know exactly where it was gonna take me but it was something that I had committed to and I never really saw anything as roadblocks um till this day I don't see blogging as my primary mm, that's not sure I was gonna say my primary source of income it is now but then it wasn't, and I wasn't really expecting it to be. And so, to this day, I, I see, okay, this is how it is. I see blogging as a vehicle to building a bigger career. So I use my blog as a platform through which I want to build a global brand. And I started doing that with Kai. Yeah. And so, because I've never really seen my blog as the destination, as I said, I haven't really had a business plan. I have a business plan for Kai. But with my blog, I'm just seeing how it goes as I go along. I'm just constantly coming up with new ideas. Like 
you know, I'll try a new segment, and if it works, great, and if it doesn't, um, that's fine. If I really enjoy it, I'll continue, and if I don't, I'll stop it. It's just a bit of an experiment, really. It's like an experiment that's just gotten big. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's great as well, because you're actually passionate about it and I feel like sometimes people just want to do things because oh that's what everyone is doing now whereas before you know Instagram was Instagram before you know there were actual opportunities for bloggers and for influencers um people were just doing it as a as their side projects as things they were really interested in um which leads me to my next question which is um building the Visaya Longe brand so I know the word branding has come into the spotlight over the last maybe two to three years and everyone is always talking about you have to build your brand you know um work on your brand or make sure your branding is key because that's what people are looking at that's how you get followers and all of that for you personally um how did you sort of go about that how did you start building um your brand so that it wasn't just you weren't just randomly doing things you were almost strategically um doing it as well so that you could get the most out of it i guess how did i start building my brand okay so i guess as soon as i saw that as soon as i quit my job and i you know saw that this was my career um i i guess i took it more seriously um I was more conscious of posting great content. So whereas before, like, if I really wanted, I could post a dark picture, you know, because that, you know, it was just happening and I was documenting my life. Now I wouldn't post anything that is not of a certain standard. And that probably started about three years ago. Um... I'm just really like, okay, everything has to be of a certain standard or it can't go off. I'm still very much, you know, myself. I still say too much. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a passionate person, so if I care about something, I put it up. So I don't really police the things I say. I'm just more conscious of the fact that it's reaching a wider audience. And I try not to say the wrong things. And I'm sure that sometimes I do say the wrong things, but I'm more conscious of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess, and also because, like, because it's always been, um, a hobby, even though it's been my job, it's just, it's just been, like, second nature, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. And that's amazing as well. And seeing... Yeah, seeing the effort because as a follower and as a fan, it's like you, you appreciate that. Um, and again, it's probably because of what with you and seeing the behind the scenes, they appreciate it a lot more because it's very easy to just think, oh, you know, all these Instagram bloggers or all these influencers just take the nice pictures. But, you know, I remember us going across London to, you know, shoot um, the pictures for Kai and just seeing the real effort behind it that a lot of people don't appreciate it. And so once you see the brand, um, many years after you don't, you don't take it for granted and you sort of see the person growing as well. So that's been amazing to watch. Um, okay. My other question now is about sponsorship. Um, if you remember what your first sponsorship was, maybe what the process was like, did you get approached or did you approach a brand and yeah, just talk us through that a little bit. 
I definitely got approached. Um, and still, for most of the jobs I take, if I get approached pretty much all because I have to spend a lot of my time on Kai. So these days, I don't spend as much time going out to look for opportunities. Um, they just kind of come, which I'm very grateful for. I think my first job would have been to put a link in a post for a brand. And I can't remember exactly which one, but I know that it was $50. And all I had to do was put a link in a post. And it was something related to my blog. So I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll be happy to do that. And I thought, wow, you know, that's like the easiest $50 that I've ever made. Yeah, and as time sort of went on, and hopefully those paychecks have gotten a little bit fatter now, um, with nearly 100k followers on Instagram, how has, I don't know, maybe navigating that or deciding how to work with a brand or the things that you're looking for, even maybe even negotiating the pay, because another thing that was popular last year was a lot of influencers were saying they weren't getting paid a lot, and a lot of brands were taking it for granted that, you know, people with thousands and hundreds and thousands of followers were basically advertising for free or very close to nothing. So how have you um, gone through that a little bit better now these days? Um, It's a real thing because nowadays there's so many influencers and because of that, the brands have a lot of people to choose from and not everyone will be at a place where they can afford to turn work down. So I definitely took work that I wasn't adequately compensated for. I don't regret it because I had to build up my portfolio and it's like every step you take gets you to where you are and when, you know, you're, that's your job, sometimes you just need the money. Mm-hmm. And so you might take, you might be underpaid. Um, for me, my, my like major role was that I wouldn't do any work that wasn't in line with my blog or my values. So if I got a brand that wanted to promote something, so for example, you will, you've never seen me promote any type of flat tummy tea because I'm just like, those things are just laxatives. I believe in going to the gym, working out, eating healthy. I don't believe in recommending laxatives to my, laxatives to my followers. So you've never, you will never see me promote that. Um, it's funny, the other day I got a... a a job from McDonald's and it was quite good money but I don't eat McDonald's <laughs> at all I haven't eaten McDonald's in 10 years and I was like oh crap I can't actually pick this job because I have to be genuine so things like that I can work down if it's not in line with my blog like I've got Fashion Nova who pays really well but I do not wear Fashion Nova so I won't promote it um but in terms of negotiating higher pay the more work you get, the more experience you get, the less hungry you are the more, as your income stabilizes, which it does. The more power you get when to like negotiate and turn things down. A lot of the time, you really just have to say, I'm, I, I'm so thankful for this opportunity, but I'm sorry, I can't accept this fee. This is my fee. Let me know if you're willing to negotiate. If they're willing to negotiate, they let you know. And a lot of the time, you do get what you ask for, um, or a little less. Sometimes you don't, and you just lose out on the job, and I've just learned to be okay with that. Because something I learned was that sometimes I would take a job because, you know, 
I wanted to build a relationship and it was a cool opportunity. Let's say it was a travel opportunity and I'll take the job thinking, okay, I'm going to take it this time, but next, next year, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to do anything for this, this amount of money. And then the next year comes, but because you have taken it once, they want to pay you the same thing again. Mm -hmm. Even though you told them that, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to do this for you. Yeah. They have decided that that is what your value is. And it's going to stay like that. So now if I, if I'm underpaid, like grossly underpaid, and it's not a job that I particularly need to do or want to do, I just turn it down. That's amazing. And it's great that you've gotten to that, um, to that place, because especially when people are starting off, I feel like, they will just take whatever and, you know, yes, there is something to be said about building your portfolio. And, you know, there's always this debate about if you're starting, when should you start charging or would people even realize um, that, you know, would they even take you seriously? If you say you're charging, they're like, oh, what have you done? Or, you know, do you have this many followers? And we'll get into that a bit later in terms of how you actually place that value on your brand. Um, but, you know, you've been in this for a really long time. What are some of the rookie mistakes um, that you'd say you made or you've seen people make and how should people avoid that? Okay, firstly, the truth is that they wouldn't approach you if they didn't see the value in your in your brand. So I've had a lot of people approach me and I say my fee and they're like, oh, sorry, we don't pay influencers with, with less than insert whichever sum of money um some uh, it's with whichever number of followers sorry so for example i do want to get a lot is we don't pay influencers with less than 100k and i get it less so now but um at first i used to be like okay that's fine um and then i started being like then you shouldn't have approached me you know what do you mean you don't pay influencers with less than 100k that actually makes no sense because if you didn't see my value then why do you why did you approach me so brands like to use those tactics to minimize you know your work to put you under pressure to accept their work and make you feel like you're not at the stage where you should be charging but what a lot of people don't know is sometimes people with 10k followers make more money than people with 100k followers it's all about your mindset and how you position yourself within the industry Absolutely. There was um there was this blogger or influencer that I follow in last last month, I think early January, she talked about um she's full time now. I think she quit her job like three years ago and she said she made like a hundred and fifty, close to two hundred thousand dollars in revenue um i don't know how much of that actually translated into profit but she said you know not a lot of it actually went into her bank account and i went to look at her following and only realized that she had 40k followers um mm -hmm. and she talks a lot about it that it's not necessarily like you know some people become so numbers obsessed and yes there is something to be said for you know building that and why brands do value um people with a number of followers but it's it's so limiting to just think like, oh, when I get to 10K, then I can approach a brand or, you know, maybe I can ask for over a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars when I hit 50K. Um, so I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize. Okay, yeah. let's talk about Kai. Um, I was fortunate enough to be there, you know, at the beginning and seeing it get started, seeing the hustle behind it, seeing your love for it and all the all the really blood, sweat and tears um, that went into Kai. Let's talk about that a little bit in terms of 
why you started Kai? I mean, I I sort of knew the vision um, from the first meeting. I think that we had. We you know you sort of basically told me about it from the get go, and I was very interested in seeing something really built from scratch, ground up. Um, and now nearly what three years after, it's it's amazing literally how much it's grown. But from the time you started thinking about, you know, really making a fashion line for yourself, how did you maybe navigate that? Or was it was it always a dream of yours when you started blogging? Okay. So from the time I knew that I wanted to work in fashion, um, I, I, so I knew that I wanted to run my, run my own business because fashion, in, like when you're in employment and you work in fashion, it's not very well paid for a long time, for many, many years. And I really am very motivated by money. Um, and yeah, I knew that I was very talented and very smart. And I will stand, in, and I would stand a much better chance in life running my own business. I'm just a natural, I'm an entrepreneur. That's just who I am. So, when I realized that I wanted to work in fashion, I started to think of what I could do. And my vision for Kai actually came up because I grew up in Nigeria and there just were not any stores that I would, you could go to on a Friday night to buy a queue out there and you know for sure that you'll find something. The industry still has a lot of development, the fashion industry to go through. And that is still because I had plans to move to Nigeria and I still haven't, um, but that is still that is still one of my main strategies for Kai, and that my that's my vision really to create a brand, a really quality clothing brand that serves Africa, starting in Nigeria. Um, and I also needed to take control of my career and not just wait for brands to approach me, especially as the number of influencers grew. I just could not rely on something that was out of my control, a brand seeing my potential and offering me, you know, do two Instagram posts for us. Like, what if nobody saw my potential in that month? I could, then I would have no income. It didn't really make sense to me. I needed to take control and have more control over my own income. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, and when you started off, what were the challenges the main ones that you had I know that I think launching you delayed that for a bit um and you know just things that people don't even realize if someone wants to go into starting their own their own brand as well they they want to have a fashion line what are some of the things that you would say oh make sure you do this because I didn't do this on you know now that you know better you're looking back what would you sort of tell Uh yourself well obviously finances um like were a huge thing so if you're in employment, save up a lot of money before you leave to start your brand because I didn't save up enough money. With manufacturers, I put up a video on my Instagram the other day about how um, to find manufacturers. So if, you, if you're if you listening to this and you're curious about that, you can have a look on my Instagram. Um, so just go about finding your manufacturers properly. Use Alibaba go to traders. What I did was that I literally <laughs> just went to Istanbul. I said, you know, I've seen like top shop manufacturers in Istanbul. I'm just going to go there and find manufacturers. And it's not that easy because yes, the manufacturers are tech, but a lot of them are not in Istanbul. A lot of them are in Izmir. 
and I had booked a holiday with my mom to Istanbul and Cappadocia. And yeah, I found a manufacturer who I, I didn't end up working with after he made my samples because he wasn't very good. And if I had gone about finding manufacturers properly, it would have cost me a lot less money. There were some lines from my first like, manufacturing run, like two batches of styles of um, a lot of units that I just could not sell because they were not good enough quantity. So in hindsight, I would have taken more time to find my manufacturers. But I know that I was really adamant on starting when I did. And I don't regret it. I've learned a lot of lessons. Everything has gotten me to this place now. But that is definitely something that I should have done better. Okay. Yeah, that's that's amazing. It is so it's interesting hearing um, you know, insights and oh, you know, I wish I did this earlier. But it's it's also really good because there's probably someone out there that is completely clueless or stuck and we all get big ideas and we all have big dreams and we wish that someone um will just sit us down and tell us, Okay, what do I do next? So when you decided what was the what was the very first thing that you did what were the first few steps that you did because it's one thing to have an idea and it's another thing to take it to from idea to reality so in terms of okay I have this idea I want to do this what do I do next okay so I had an idea to start a clothing brand I really did not do much But so I, I was very, I was a rookie. I did everything in a way that an amateur would. And I'm glad I did that because I really learned a lot. So I knew that I had to make samples. I went by looking for um, a sample maker in the UK. My friend was friends with someone who owned a brand and knew their sample manufacturer. So I approached the woman and I got her to make my samples. I no longer do my samples with her. She wasn't the best and she was quite expensive. Now I make my samples in Nigeria. And obviously, being from Nigeria, I would, like it's one of my biggest passions to put money into the pockets of women in Nigeria. So my sample maker now is a woman in Nigeria. That makes me very happy. So yeah, I found a sample maker. I made samples. Um, I took the samples. I went to Istanbul to find fabrics and to find a manufacturer, and I found fabric, I bought fabric, shipped them to a manufacturer, and I oversaw the stuff in the factory being made because I didn't really trust my manufacturers. So I was there for two weeks just in the factory every day. They still managed to mess up a lot of things after I left because eventually I had to leave. So when they sent the stuff back to me, as I said, There were some units that I could not sell, but that was just my process. Um, And then, okay, no, I I forgot. When we actually shot together, me and you, when you assisted me, Mm -hmm. we were shooting the samples. So I launched the website for pre-order so that I could use some of that money to pay the final balance. So Mm -hmm. those were the kinds of things that I did to get through cash flow, like my shortage of of cash really yeah. uh using money from the pre-orders to pay the balance to the manufacturers and then i just started selling posting things on instagram on my blog wearing the stuff trying to get celebrities to wear the stuff that was really my process i just did it like an amateur was 
Yeah, and now you're here and you're going global. So um, where do you <laughs> where do that's you see so yourself? Long to go. There's so much to still, but yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> that's great. Um, it's good though because you you can sort of look back and and see that it it was about trust in the process. And yes, you know we all make mistakes, but that just then goes to add to the other lessons in our books. Um, and you can you can always say you know what I've come I've come really far and you get to share the story and you know encourage other people who maybe having a difficult time I can imagine someone now just being like oh you know I'm so stuck or they found a manufacturer and they've completely messed it up it's like you know you don't have to just stop there and park and be like this isn't working out I'm going to quit it's like you see you other can't people. afford to stop yeah you got, there will be too many you know I never knew that anxiety was a real thing before I started my 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 brand and i realized after i did how real it was there will be too many things that you know you go wrong everything will go wrong so that that's just what it is you can't afford to quit because stuff goes wrong all the time yeah absolutely um okay and where do you see where do you see kai going um or what do you what do you want for kai in the next couple of years what you know what would you like to see happen um i really want to expand into the u.s a lot of my customers are from the u.s but i want to make it easier for people in the u.s to get the products that's a really big goal mm-hmm. um i also want to i'm rebranding a little bit just to make i reflect like my african heritage and just to have a little bit of more of a USP, really, because I started a brand, but after you start a brand, you realize that, you know, brands need to solve problems. I need to create products that not everyone else is creating. Yeah. So my main goal for this year is just to tweak the business plan a little and just make a brand that is, that has more of a unique selling point. Um, so in two years, I would like to be much bigger in the U.S. I would like to have more stockists. I want Kai to use a bigger platform and as a small brand. One way that you can do that is by having, you know, stockists. So being sold at some, in some of my favorite, like, boutiques, um, some of my favorite online brands and department stores. That's, like, a main goal for Kai. Amazing. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to it um, and seeing the journey as well. Um, okay. Let's talk about really how to make money from blogging and social media in 2019. So the scenario is, you know, there's someone out there who just recently started blogging. Um, they know they have a passion for, I don't know, fashion and beauty, or they want to have a lifestyle blog. Um, but what are the things that they need to be able to start that process what do they what do they need to know before they even start blogging consistency is key so you need to be consistent because there's so many people blogging these days you need to choose you need to be an expert at something so you need to do something better than everyone else you can't just create the same because what a lot of people do is create the same content everyone is creating so everyone is being minimalist and shooting in front of white and gray and black and wearing only 
white and gray and black. So you two, you go and wear white and gray and black. <laughs> you will do okay. People will like your pictures because that's the trend. But you're not going to stand out and nobody's going to remember you. And because there's so many people in the industry, you're just not going to build a big following that way. So you need to have a niche. And yes, you need to be an expert and you need to invest time in being better than everyone else at something. Um, as I said, consistency. Um, you need to be creative. Um, you do not have to have a lot of, like, thousands and thousands of followers to make money. So micro-influencers are a huge thing now. On some of the platforms I used to make money in the campaign briefs, I see some of the requirements that sometimes it's like, must have less than 10,000 followers, must have less than 50,000 followers. People like brands like micro-influencers because they're cheaper. And also, people buy stuff when they are personally recommended. So someone who has 5,000 followers will be followed by a lot of their family and friends. Um, and a lot of their predominant like fan base will be people that they know personally because they're still quite small. And so people really take recommendations from those people quite seriously. Unlike when you have one million followers and people feel like, you know, you're jaded and you're just recommending whatever because that's your job. People just find you more believable when you're micro. Obviously, there's exceptions to the rule, but my point is that micro-influencing is a big thing now and it should be taken advantage of. You just need to be creative. You need to think, okay, so what are my transferable skills? I'm blogging, but am I taking photos? Maybe I can become a photographer and advertise my photography services. Um, maybe I can become a baby photographer. You know, I really like babies. I take great pictures. I have a great rapport with babies. Maybe something you're blogging has to do with babies. And you can choose that type of niche where people are always looking for photographers. Or, for example, if you live in Nigeria, you, you might think, or maybe I should be, you know, do engagement shoots, creative engagement shoots. There'll always be some skills that you need for blogging, whether it's writing or photography or styling clothing or interior styling, product styling, that you can then use to offer a service. So I used to style. So I woke up one morning and I thought, I'm going to be a stylist. And that's what I did. I became a stylist. Um, it's that, that's really it. <laughs> you <laughs> no, just not... need to decide what service you're going to offer and go with that. Yeah, and I really, I really like your point. Um, and it really hitting the nail on the head on consistency is key because I feel like sometimes, you know, when we maybe speak to our friends or even read blogs or you know ask questions from, from people online everyone is just like you know no matter what you do just just start now just start now and I'm like okay I get that but at the same time what people forget is that if you start now but you um you know you're maybe working busy season like I currently have or you are not in a good place or you have kids or you just have a lot of things going on that might not be the time to start then it might be the time to do research. It might be the time to hone in and ask yourself, what skills do I have? What are you passionate about? Um, what do you see yourself doing long term? Because, you know, trends are fleeting. They last a season, maybe a couple, um, and then people are on to the next. So it's like, what would actually stand the test of time that even if I don't get paid for this right now, 
I'm still passionate about it to do it. Um, so I really like that you you said that, and it's hard, and it's you know it's really really hard. You might have this whole plan in your head to want to put a post out every day, but you have to you know you have to go to work, you have to um, you have family, friends, relationships, other things that you got that's going on in your life. You can't you can't just neglect all of that. Um, but you know it is it is important that you you do have consistency. Yeah, but I do have to say that I think that now when it comes to blogging is really great advice. Obviously now, your content has to be of a higher quality than it had to be in the past. Yeah. But still start now because when I look back at some of my also, they were awful. So a lot of the growth and improvement you do, you do it after you start. You see things that you didn't see before you started. Um, I think start now is very important in fact. Okay. Well, you've heard her, guys. So start start now. Um, I guess, yeah, yeah, actually. Start now. You can figure the rest um, as you go because then you, you might get stuck in analysis paralysis. So do get started. Um, okay. So that brings me on to my next question, which is when is the right time to contact a brand? Um and how do you, let's talk about actually, how do you value your brand first before you even think about contacting and reaching out? How do you value your brand? Did you mean what prices to charge? Yeah, what prices to charge and how to um, maybe make yourself be known so that people take you seriously. So even even before contacting brands, if you maybe want to bring out your own product, how do you put a value to that and say, okay, this is what I do and this is why I do it better, for example? You just do. You just create a great product and it's, you know, it's it's valuable in itself. You don't just make anything. You make something that you know that you would use and you test it and your family and friends and random people will use to make sure that you're not just creating a product for the sake of it. In terms of, you know, how to value your, your like, following or, you know, the audience, like what you build, you, you, you know when you've created something good. You know when your content is good because people will start to approach you. I wouldn't approach a brand if no brand has ever approached me to collaborate. I would first work on building my content and making sure that the level of my content is undeniable. As soon as brands start to show interest, then I will go out there and I'll first get some work under my belt. If you find that it's been a long time and brands are not approaching you, you can approach brands and you can offer to do stuff for free or just in return for, in return, in exchange for clothing, just so that you can build, you know, your portfolio. So you build your portfolio. If you get brands to give you free clothing, you can say that you've worked with them. So you then have under your portfolio that, okay, I've worked with this brand and this brand and this brand. And then you can approach brands and, you know, this is why I did for this brand. It was this, you know, look at the quality. It got 500 likes, 10 clicks, 5 purchases if you have that information. If not, just give them your stats. Show them the amount of clicks they got. Make everything look really good. Send detailed reports. So instead of just approaching brands being like, hi, I would love to work with you, thanks, bye, no. Approach brands, hi, I'm this person, I live in London, my audience is, you know, 12-year-olds, I don't want to use 
change that, yo. Let me change that. My audience is, you know, 18-year-old college students, um, well, university, as we say in the UK. And based on that, I think your product will be great to advertise them to. 50% of my audience is women. 50% of my audience is men. And I think your product is unisex. Um, so let's say, for example, it was, I don't know, what do people use at uni? Maybe you wanted to work with, I don't know, Pure Gym or some affordable gym. Um, a lot of, you know, what I do need, so we don't, we don't have a huge budget. Therefore, I think a budget gym will be a great um, product to advertise to my audience. I would love to advertise in exchange for free gym membership or my rates are 100 pounds for one, one Instagram post. Whatever you're offering them, just make sure that you're asked when you approach them. It's very, very detailed. You include numbers and you show them examples of your work. So, for example, if you're approaching them about collaborating for a gym collaboration, make sure that your product has fitness content. So there's no point approaching a gym if all your content shows you like drinking out on a Friday night, right? Or you need content that's in line with who you are approaching. Hmm. Amazing. And in terms of now actual values, how do you price yourself I guess or how do you charge for um different things because I know you know there'll be people that have 10,000 followers and they they may be even making um more than people who have 50k or 100k just because they maybe know how to put together a different packaging or they I don't know some people are just more bold when it comes to asking for more um but how do you how do you do that I would say you can be bold as long as you know that your content is speaking for you. As long as you know that your work is great, then be bold. Obviously, be wise, but it gives you more confidence to be bold when you know that you're creating great content. Um, So one rule of thumb that a lot of creators use is to charge for your post 1% of your following. So, for example, if you have 80,000 followers, to charge 800 pounds for a blog post and um, for an Instagram post, that works. But different factors could go into that. It depends on the quality of your work. It depends on your location. Um, it also depends on what else you do. So, for example, if you're a TV presenter, even if you have less followers, you can get paid more money than someone who has more followers than you. So there's a lot of different things that go into it. I would say 1% is, that's good. That's good enough of the rule. Um, but there are websites where you can ch- check like what's charged. I forgot their name. Okay. And also just compare to other other people. And start with a figure. Like you can start with 0.5% of your followers. Sorry, instead of 1%, yes, 0.5%, for example. And just kind of see how that goes. Yeah. See the response you get. If brands are like, oh, absolutely, you know, that's absolutely fine. You're probably charging too little because everyone tries to negotiate. <laughs> um, if they're not getting back to you, you could be charging too much. Not necessarily. It could just be that they have a lot of people to choose from. And, you know, you're not that their priority. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you should reduce your pricing. It might mean that you just have to work harder 
and create better content so that you stand out more and you can get paid what you're worth. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. That's really helpful. Um, thank you. <laughs> so um, let's talk about then what brands actually look for in your content. So like we said before, you know, consistency being key, they don't want to see that, you know, the last time you posted was six months ago. Um, if they're maybe looking for things that are maybe more relevant or things that are changing, you know, now and things like that. So what do brands look for in your content or in your social media posts? Um, yeah, so brands look for quality they look for great photos they look for your interaction with your audience they look at your writing they want you to be well spoken brands look for content that is in line with their brand so i sometimes don't get some jobs that i want because the brand does not feel that my feed is in line with their brand enough. So, for example, if I went put myself forward for a fitness job because I don't have enough fitness content on my page, the brand will say, you know, sorry, we're looking for great content, but we're looking for people more in line with our brand. So they're looking for people who are in line with their brand mostly. Great content. They're looking for things like what percentage of your audience is their target market. So... A lot of women on Instagram have predominantly male followers. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it will impact what brands like work with you. So, for example, if 80% of your followers are men and 20% of your followers are women, women's recording brands might not be interested in working with you because you know, your following is not predominantly what they're looking for. But you might be able to sell aftershave. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. your, your audience is predominantly men. So you just have to think of how to best align yourself based on your audience and the brands that their target market is in your audience. Yeah, that's helpful. Okay, and speaking of consistency, um, which I know that a lot, a lot of people struggle. I feel like even if you try and plan out, I don't know, the next three to six months, um, after those three to six months are, you might then struggle again or, you know, life happens and yeah, sometimes we do fall off the bandwagon or sometimes we just need time off, to be honest. But how do you stay consistent? Um, what are some of the things that you do, maybe as a routine or just as a habit you've picked up over the years to know to do for your blogs or for your social media? To be honest, I'm not always consistent because there's a lot going on. And as you said, life happens. But if you create a content calendar, you're more likely to stay consistent. So if you plan into the future, if you plan three weeks into the future, for example, and so you're starting to create your articles ahead of time, you can schedule them to go up, you know, when they're supposed to. So you're always working ahead of time. Um, you know, book your photographers ahead of time. So you're always shooting content ahead of time. That really helps with staying consistent. Okay. And are there, is there anything that you use for those? You can use um, apps like Unum and oh, Planoli to plan your Instagram. Okay. For your content calendar, 
and I'm, a, I'm an Excel babe, so you can just put your... <laughs> yeah, me too. I write everything on a Google Excel. Yeah, especially because you, you work in finance as well. Yeah. Um, you can put your, your subjects, like what you want to write about, in an Excel spreadsheet and plan into the future that way. Um, there's apps that you can use to schedule tweets. There's basically an app for everything. Yeah. <laughs> There is. So people do your Googles. Um, there's definitely an app for everything. Okay, this one is a little bit more personal, but where do you see yourself in the next few years and um, where do you see the social media influencer world going? I know that um, people always say, like, oh, this is not going to last. It's only for a season and, you know, time is running out and things like that. <laughs> you know, what do you think about that? It's just getting started. It's absolutely going to last. And you know why? Because it works. Yeah. Because what people care about is things that generate money and it generates money. There will be changes. I think that what is really going to change is that it's going to be harder for people to get work when they're just like, hey, um, here I am wearing a black dress on a Friday night. You're going to have to offer more value. Mm. So your content is going to have to create more sorry you're going to have to create more valuable content and your content is going to have to be more purposeful and it's going to have to help people solve problems so for example if you're a fashion blogger you're going to have to create content helping people dress up for weddings right because people are always looking for stuff to wear for weddings so rather than you just showing yourself wearing you know an outfit you're going to have to offer people solutions and suggestions to their potential problems. Um, you're going to have to write more articles that help people with their daily life. So I think that it's moving towards that direction where people are going to have to take more time to create content that offers more value. But it's not going to go anywhere. Um, it's still going to be very, very relevant and you just have to evolve as it goes on. In the same way that blog posts became less popular and Instagram posts became more popular. Podcasts are becoming very popular. So you might want to think of whether you want to start your own podcast. You're just going to have to be creative and pay attention to things as they change and evolve. Um, where do I see myself? I see myself growing high. I'm very happy with my blog and, I, and you know, my Instagram. And I constantly try and improve my content. Once my content looks like, you know, it's getting old, it's getting stale. I think of how I can switch it up, what I can introduce, what I need to take away. So I'm constantly looking to um, <laughs> to improve my content. Um, but I really, really want to grow my business. I want a business that runs whether or not I'm posting um the product personally so i just want to be more of a creative director create better clothing you know do better shoots create better visuals i just want to continue to grow high and build a brand that is bigger than me that's really my goal for the next few years even more so than the blogging because as i said i think your blog is a vehicle to doing even bigger things I would like to collaborate more with, you know, my favorite brands. I would like to create more travel content. 
um, and be more, you know, on the go. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. I, I really want to evolve in my entrepreneurship. I want to offer more and I want to keep on creating more streams of income, but still focusing on the quality of every single thing I do. Wow. Amazing. I feel like I should be, I should be clapping. Um, okay, great. We're just coming to the end of the podcast. I've learned so much. Um, I've been trying to take notes on my phone a little bit as well. Um, but I've just got some quick fireside chats for you, which is just a little... I've got some chat um, fireside questions. So for people who want to get to know you a little bit better, your more playful side, I guess. So I'm going to ask you um, just like one one sentence one word questions um and then you can just reply with the first thing that comes to your head okay okay so who's your favorite brand hi collective <laughs> would have expected less um favorite social media influencer at the moment oh that is so tough favorite social media influencer at the moment oh my god that is tough that is tough I feel like you mood board a lot, so you you might have one person that keeps coming back. Oh my god, who do I like? I I always love the man repeller because I love their articles and I love how they offer so much more than than fashion. I really really love the man repeller. Um, oh my, you've just made me realize that I love people. I love I'm loving podcasts as well. I'm a bit of a geek. So I'm loving people like Lewis House and Amy I'm really into podcasts. But I do love, you know, like amazing photography, like the photography that people and like style. So style bloggers such as Bettina Looney, I'm loving at the moment. Um, Oh, You've, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That was a lot anyway. Um, okay, where has been your favorite travel destination so far? My favorite travel destination used to be Cambodia until I returned last year. It's still great. Um, it's an amazing, amazing place. But I think because I've been twice now, it's Lots taken away the novelty, yeah. Exactly, I shouldn't have gone back. I loved Hong Kong. I went to Hong Kong for the first time last year. I really, really loved Hong Kong. I also really like Cappadocia and Turkey. That's probably my favorite because I've been with my mom twice and it got even better the second time. And to me, it just it, there was just a lot of love. It reminds me of love. And the first time I went with my mom was the first time that she saw, like, me get you know free hotel collaborations and she just couldn't believe that we were staying in this amazing place and all we had to do was create content for them so i love Cappadocia for sentimental reasons yeah oh that's amazing um if you could pick one brand to work with for the rest of your life it would be Vuitton. Oh, okay. That's nice. Yeah, I really, really, I love Nicolas Gasquier. Um, yeah, I could find, I could find stuff to wear from Louis Vuitton for the rest of my life. <laughs> Instagram or Twitter? Oh, that is so tough because Instagram, because I'm a very visual person and I love photography. 
but Twitter because it actually just teaches me so much. I don't really read the news, I just read Twitter. <laughs> and people are so funny. Yeah. Maybe Twitter, you know. <laughs> I feel like people will be surprised about that one but if you guys are not already following Fisayo on Twitter then um, you're, you're missing out follow me <laughs> if you had to change your name what would it be? that is such a tough question or if you I had to change your blog name. name my little sister's name is Timoni and I'm like why did you not call me her name is Aurel Fed Timoni and I wish I had that name um, instead of mine so yeah it'll probably be too many okay um one person you've always wanted to meet probably oprah winfrey um there's a lot of people that i'm really a fan girl and there's a lot of people that i look up to for different things but if i had to choose one i love oprah's story i love how much she overcame and I would just love to ask her some questions and I'm sure that um like a, a lengthy conversation with her would, would change my life yeah yeah same same to be honest um <laughs> what's one thing that people don't know about you hmm. I feel like you bear your soul like all the time on social media but what... I wear my heart on my sleeve yeah and I'm a very open person I don't really keep secrets. I mean, I don't really show my private life, but that's because I don't have that much of one. <laughs> but I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert. People might not know that. Yes, I remember. I think I told you this actually when I met you. I think, first of all, I said, you're much smaller than I thought. <laughs> and then you were like so quiet. And I was like, wow. And I was thinking like, is she always like this? Or is this like a first time? But no. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be surprised. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and if you could say one sentence to your younger self, what would it be? Or to your oh. sister? Mm. There's so many things I would say. I'm actually getting emotional. Oh. <laughs> um, I would tell myself that I should embrace my whole self and not um, not try to minimize or shrink anything. Just embrace my whole self and just be proud of like every single thing about myself yeah just not minimize my voice for anyone not want to be liked by anyone just do things for myself like listen to myself and trust myself yeah that was amazing thank you thank you thank you thank you okay so that comes to the end of this week's episode Kisaya, thank you so much for the wisdom thank you for dropping tips thank you for all the notes that people are going to take um and all the actions and i know sometimes we we don't say it enough but to the people that you know really influence us you've had a massive influence in my life i told you this when i started my blog um and yeah thank you for being amazing thank you Thank you so much. I enjoyed this. <laughs> oh, why the hell am I crying? Oh my 